Hello again, Internet. I'm Stephen Harowitz, and I will be your host for this episode of Campfire at Home, recorded here in St. Louis, Missouri. Almost every month, we gather at the campfire to hear stories about life and how we live it, from the everyday voices that live around us. Campfire at Home is how we bring that live storytelling experience to you, wherever you are. In this episode, I have something special for you, because we have stories to share from the capstone event of our Season 9 Intro to Storytelling class. These stories come from students who signed up for a class through Campfire to learn about public speaking and storytelling. And in that first class, the students come in nervous, excited, and looking around not quite knowing who each other are yet. But then they slowly get to know one another as they collectively reflect on their lives through story. They started to see the output of their training and the power and liberation of owning and sharing their narrative. And even when it got scary or their nerves crept up, they kept choosing to take on the challenge. And then there they were, on stage, in the lights, delivering some truly delightful and some truly heavy stories in their natural voices. This series of podcasts includes the five Intro to Storytelling students, Amy, Paige, Jenna, Lizzie, and Melinda, telling a story on the topic of labels. And when the event ended, beyond the hugs and smiles each storyteller got from those that had come to support them, Molly, who was their instructor this season, and myself got to say a heartfelt congratulations to five people with newfound skills in storytelling, confidence in their voice when speaking publicly, and an understanding of the power of story. Let's head to the campfire to listen to Melinda's story on labels. My water closer. I have a fear of dry mouth at this really important moment. Oh, hi, everybody. I can't see you. <laughs> so let's see. All right. It's 1980, and I am standing on a riverbed watching my little sister Lisa fiddle with her backpack, tie her boot for the third time, and she's singing, Oh, to live on Sugar Mountain. And it doesn't sound like she's going to stop. But I, I, I'm watching, I'm watching, and as her dog, Melissa, is going in and out and in and out of the water, just thrilled to be out in the outdoors. Of course, Melissa comes through and shakes every time she comes out on me or Lisa. So the, we're here at Cherokee National uh, Forest because I begged my little sister to take me into the forest for just one night. The fact is I had just turned 25 and I was lost. I was in a social service job that wasn't paying my bills. I was in a relationship that I knew I needed to end. So what do I do? I hop in a car and drive 387 miles to see my little sister and be in her energy field because I wanted to escape mine. So we, we're sitting there, she's finishing fiddling, and we resume our hike, and I am just excited. The forest is amazing. It smells like, oh, dead wood, wet earth, spruce, pine. It had been raining for two weeks, and on this day, the sun was shining. We 
we're walking and my little sister and I, well, we couldn't quit talking. We started talking, and one couldn't finish faster than the other ones just started talking. And we were discussing everything, everything big in our 20s. Well, do you still believe in God? Well, does Mama know you don't go to church? Well, do you have, I mean, well, what about reincarnation? Do you really think there's a plan? And, and then all I can do is just revel in the Lisa and Melissa Oh, by the way, her dog, Melissa, it's a black lab, and she's named after us, Melinda, Lisa. <laughs> that was the little sisters doing. So, so I, I nervously said to her, she's walking ahead of me, and I said, Lisa, I've been thinking about this thing that happens. Sometimes when I'm by myself or in the woods or in a park or just in my mind, I'm walking along and it feels like the space between my physical world and the spiritual world are melding together. And it feels like if I just boo or jump out, reach my hand real quick, I can be there. I can feel the divine. And she stopped, turned around and said, you are crazy. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I thought I'd try it on her. So she turns around and she's making a point to me and she is walking backwards on this trail and all, I can't hear her because all I can see is the sun coming down through the canopy and illuminating her face and her blue eyes sharp and her tongue sharp and her, <laughs> which has gotten us into plenty of trouble. And I just am taking it in because I'm so grateful to be with her and in her energy field. Now, you can smell Lisa usually before you see her. She smells like patchouli and it, it, she leads with it. That or a song, way before you lay eyes on her. Dry mouth. <laughs> so we get in there, we've been hiking about two hours. We set up camp. We said, you know what? This is uh, dry here. We couldn't believe it. It was dry. We put up our little tent, and then I ate a little bit, and then I see Lisa getting restless. And we smelled a campfire. We hadn't seen anybody. Um, so we start walking some more toward the smoke. And uh, we're going to go explore. And it, the forest is just getting, it's just dank and spider webs hitting us in the face. And then we see the fire and then three guys sitting around a campfire and, and we're like oh wow and so they came to the bank like hey what y'all doing and we're uh, oh just you know doing a little hiking they go hey y'all want to come over here and smoke a joint <laughs> now where I back in the day uh, smoking a joint with strangers made instant community so I so I <laughs> so we looked at each other and said, the, the sun's high enough in the sky. It's mid, midday. We're good. Because we had to cross that river to get to the three southern boys. And uh, so Melissa, our canine companion, is already over there in exuberance, you know, barking, come on, come on, come on. So we have a shallow spot. We get over there. It's freezing. That water is just freezing. And we welcomed that blazing fire. 
So we're sitting around, small talk with three Southern boys. It's, it's easy, it's nice. And then I'm noticing one guy, he isn't smoking any weed. And he's, I start talking to him, and he's the Eagle Scout. And he knows those woods inside and out. And we're chatting it up. He's telling me some things I don't know, which was a lot. And then I, then I hear the water. And right about that time, I'm looking around the campfire, and a guy comes out of the tent with a bottle of whiskey. Now, I don't know about y'all, but whiskey's a different animal than marijuana. And I knew my little sister was going to want to take some hits off of that bottle. And we were young, so this was before the time that alcohol had played havoc and heartbreak in our family's, uh, our generation. And so I said, Lisa, I'm going to go to the river and look at the water. I don't, I'm hearing it, and I wasn't hearing it before. So I get to the river, and it is flying. It had risen, and it was so fast. I, 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 I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I, I turn around, and I look over and to where Lisa is and said, we got to go. And meanwhile, I'm watching Whiskey Guy leering at my sister. And my hair went up on the back of my neck, and I said, oh, no, we're getting across that river. And so I'm walking. She's coming behind me, surly and a little tipsy. And I take three steps into that water, and boom! Sorry, that was loud. <laughs> the, it was like I hit this wall. I could not move any further. I didn't understand it. I, I couldn't make it out, like what was happening. And, and then I, all I yelled out was, we can't cross here. But Lisa goes around me and says, move out of the way. I'll go first. And, and I'm, as I'm selling, saying, no. She is down in that water, and I've caught the back of her shirt just fast enough where she's on her back and bobbing. Now, I can't move my legs. The water's at my knee. If I turn my toes to the left, I'm gone. I'm with her. If I turn them to the right, I'm on my face and going with her. So I'm just holding her. This is all in nanoseconds. And she says, Melinda, let go of me. All of a sudden, all I knew that my arm took her out of the water and threw her back to the bank where Eagle Scout guy was there quietly. I didn't know he was there. And he grabbed her. And then his voice, he guided me back the three steps and then grabbed my shirt. And we were on, we were on the shore. And we thanked him profusely. We had to find a place to cross. The sun was in the canopy, so it was looked darker than it was. And Melissa, on the other bank, come over here, she says. And she's barking, and we're following her. And, and she stops, and she barks and barks, and we we realized the place that she stopped was easy. We could cross without falling in. Well, we were in. We were freezing. We got to the other side. We go back, walk into our tent, and we're quiet. Too much had happened. And I was, I, anyway, we were quiet. And we change into our only pairs of warm clothes. 
And I start crying. And I can't stop. I said, why did you tell me to let go of you? What were you thinking? How could I let go of you? And she said, well, I didn't want to take you with me. I said, well, you would have drowned. I really believe that in all my heart. And she said, I believe it too. But I wasn't going to take you with me. And then I cried harder. It's like, don't, don't, don't tell me that. And, and, and so then she says, Melinda, in her know-it-all-ness, when you repel up rock, like I am ever going to repel up rock, <laughs> when you're repelling up the side of a mountain, if you're at the top and you're falling, you say, falling, so the people below you can get out of the way and you don't take them with you. Well, I just cried some more and said, I'm just so grateful that I didn't have to pull you out of a river or both of us, that I didn't have to make that choice. Now, we get in the tent. We're all warm and cozy, the three of us. And I, I turn over. I say, I love you, and I got to think. So I turn over and face the tent, and I face what I know to be true. That time on that bank was divine intervention. I never had called the helper my angel before. But this night, I, I said, I know it was you. I would have walked in that water. I know me. I had walked in that water. You stopped me. And you used my arm to throw my sister onto a bank. Thank you. And I promise I will listen to you as much as I can, as much as I hear your voice and pay attention. And I knew when I left that forest the next day that I was going to be OK, no matter what happened in my life, that it was going to be all right. Now, for y'all, I'll just say that, for y'all. I don't usually tell angel stories, not in public, and not to strangers, because I worry that I will be labeled a flake, a woo-woo. You know, I don't know. You know about her. So no matter who else I am, that label gets slapped on you, and that be who you become is that girl. And I tell it tonight because what happens then is you don't tell your whole truth. You leave back. You, sh you keep a little bit private that that really, that whole story, if I told it any differently, would make me look like I saved my sister, and I did not. Now, I challenge all of you to think of a time that you felt misunderstood or that you kept something private, because we all do it, something private that you were afraid you'd be labeled, judged, or criticized, and you didn't show your whole truth. And think of a time when you did that to somebody else. And they were telling you something that was not in your frame of reference. And it didn't fit, and you, you couldn't make room for it. And you labeled them and judged them, and that is the only thing they became. So I invite everyone tonight and remind myself to let's just get a little bigger and a little fuller and allow people to have their experiences and their own truths and that there's room for everybody.
And that is a wrap. You can make sure to hear the other episodes from our Season 9 Intro to Storytelling graduates by subscribing to Campfire at Home wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a review on your podcast listening platform of choice. You probably hear it all the time, but it really does help others find our podcast, and it supports our students. If you're in the St. Louis area, we'd love to have you come out to an event or take a class. You can visit campfire.com, that's C-M-P-F-R.com, for all of the details. And for those of you that don't live in St. Louis who just want to know more about the work we do here at Campfire, you can also visit our website at campfire.com, that's C-M-P-F-R.com. As always, a big thank you to the Campfire team, Mariah, Ethan, Gabriella, Molly, and Jess, our photographer, Sarah Wilson, our videographer and podcast producer, Jeff Allen, and the home for our classes, Tech Artista. Tonight's stories were recorded live at the Focal Point in Maplewood, Missouri. Thanks for listening to Campfire at Home. I've been your host, Stephen Harowitz. Until next time. (laughs) 